Zachary. Lockery. Brendery. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, and I don't know how I feel about this intro story. Oh, it sucks. It really does. This comes out of... You picked it. This comes out of the mirror yeah, and it was written it's by... coming out of the gate swinging with that energy. It sucks. It's written by Danielle Kate Rowe. King Charles III's sausage fingers, as he jokingly described them during an Australian tour in 2012, have become rather infamous with many wondering why they look the way they do. If you've ever gone a step further and fancied sucking on his so-called sausage fingers... Oh. Oh, fuck off. However, a leading e-liquid company has just the coronation memorabilia for Uh, you. It reports that uh, Brits will splash out a whopping £300 million on coronation memorabilia, including cups, tea towels and spoons and other souvenirs. A limited number of the Riot Coronation Collection will go on sale from May 5th, modelled on the award-winning Riot Bar intricate detail has gone into the 10-piece collection. Of course, it's 10-piece, mirroring the shape and size of the king's own fingers and even featuring his cherished pinky ring. Riot Labs CEO Ben Johnson, the makers of these e-cigarettes, had this to say, Prince Philip was a heavy smoker. Prince Harry loved a cigarette and even the queen consort enjoyed lighting up. An important juncture in our royal timeline, we wanted to commemorate the King Charles with his unique 10-piece collection based on the king's famous digits. It's a bit of coronation fun based on the expert comments. The collection could make you more than 10 digits richer in 50 years time. Brendan, are you keen to suck on King Charles's sausage finger vape cigarettes? I, I don't want anything to do with those inbred giant fingers anywhere near my mouth. Like I, I appreciate what Riot Labs are doing here with the cash grab, but... I hate the monarchy. I hate royalty in general. And Prince Charles and his giant ham hocks can stay far, far away from my mouth, please and thank you. Yeah, I don't want to hear about his gouty fingers. Like, um, this is this is weird. All of it is weird. So what happens when you try and keep them bloodlines pure, right? Like, this is what happens. You get sausage fingers like this. I feel deeply uncomfortable even giving the royal family energy and attention. I wonder if this was the inspiration behind <laughs> that one universe in everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like an old hot, Maybe. hot dog figure universe. My mm, God. Look, God. yeah, I'm, not, I'm definitely not interested in these, but if they made one and it was like Queen Lizzie's the lizard tail... I'd, I'd have a suck on that. Why not? If I could suck on like, if they bring out a different range, it's like Anna Diarmas's fingers or something like that. I'll certainly suck on those. But like King King Charles and his pinky ring, stay far, far away from my mouth, you pervy old man. Oh, Lockie looks like Ryan Gosling in Blade Runner right now, just staring at the, the, the holographic projection, looking incredibly depressed. <laughs> I love you, Anna Diamas. That's so sweet. All I heard was Lockie looks like Ryan Gosling, and I'll take it. Hello and welcome! 
Welcome to News to Reviews, your place to be for gaming news stories and also your place to be for impressions on the latest games coming out each and every week. My name is Zach. I'm here with my co-host Lockie. Lockie, how you doing, man? Hello, hello. I'm doing very well. Still reveling from, from the Ryan Gosling comment. Yeah, well, pretty much that's going to get me through the month, so thank you. Um, and no one say anything to to shatter that illusion <laughs> to a thousand pieces. Oh, they'll say, oh, yes, but current Ryan Gosling with all the surgery that everyone's making fun of. Oh, no, um, no, no. Oh, um, dearie me, Lockie. Well, I'm, I'm glad that I'm, I'm helping you get through the month because you help me get through every month by doing this awesome podcast with me. I have a bloody great It's a lot of responsibility. Hey, hey yeah, it's, it's all on you. But hey, it's also on our guest as well too because listening to the Hungry Gamers also helps me get through my week and thusly my months as well too. We have Brendan White on here on here from 8-Bit. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you so much for having me and Lockie. I could never quit you and I would gladly write you letters every day for a year, my friend. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're an absolute sweetheart. It's a notebook reference for the gaming nerds out there that don't understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> I haven't seen the notebook, so I had no idea what you were saying, but I just thought oh, it was come very on. sweet. I just thought Calls it was very sweet. Calls himself Ryan Gosling, doesn't even know his back catalogue. <laughs> yep. Look, yep. look to, be fa- to be fair, Lockie is gay, and I feel like every straight man has seen that through having to watch The Notebook with their girlfriend at one point <laughs> or another. Yeah. Why you would ever watch it, I don't know, Lockie. A hundred percent, and that's the thing, like, with the whole, um, you know, with the whole gay stereotypes, it's because I've never had, you know, that, that lady in my life to keep happy. <laughs> I've never had to subject myself to these fucking films. I love romance films, thank you very much. There's there's a behind the curtains. I will gladly watch a good romance or rom-com, romantic drama, drama, and I'll watch them with someone or by myself. I have no shame. That's all right. You're a softie at heart. Mm -hmm. You're a romantic. I am. I can respect that. I cry all the time. I'm crying right now. Oh, damn. Over King Charles' fingers. Like, it's it's horrific. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty upsetting. Oh, dear. Well, I'm in tears of joy when I get to listen to your content, Brendan. Can you please let the News to Reviews peeps know where they can find all the wonderful stuff that you put on the interwebs? It would be my absolute pleasure. The easiest place to find all of those things would be over at videogamesandculture.com. That is the hub for all 8-bit related content. You can find The Hungry Gamers there. You can find More Than Hentai, an anime appreciation podcast there, which we had the fantastic Zachary on just the other day. You can find 8-Crit, which is our roleplay podcast, bitecast about food, and a whole host of other potties all there at videogamesandculture.com. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah uh, be sure to check out <laughs> my episode of more than hentai but maybe not if you've seen hell's paradise and you enjoyed it because <laughs> i have a lot of bad things to say oh my god i feel oh. like we should have watched attack on titan like my god <laughs> but you know what it added thing. added for, like it made some good conversation it was absolutely differing opinions and that's good in podcasts sometimes you don't want yes men and yes women and yes non-binaries on a potty you want some friction sometimes and that's what we got yeah mm-hmm. it helps it helps um open up people that may not necessarily be interested in that sort of content you know mm-hmm. they're, they're getting that perspective they're getting that that side of things to not watch fucking what is it hellscape hell's Hell paradise i'm still in on hell's paradise zach is completely out but i am in <laughs> 
it sounds like it's not the best gateway anime. It sounds like Attack on Titan's probably a really good gateway anime to to trick those those normies mm-hmm. into enjoying it. Oh, You're probably that right. First episode. Oh my god, it's just such a banger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy shit. Um, and if you think news to reviews is a banger, then please leave us a rating or a review wherever you happen to be listening to the podcast. That's the best way you can help us get into the ears of more peeps. Or just if you, you enjoy any podcast, you can make their day by leaving them a rating or review. It only takes a few seconds. It costs nothing. And uh, yeah, makes everyone real happy and the world go round. Mm-hmm. Lads, how about we talk about some gaming news? Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, right. Let's get into it. Now, <laughs> this first story, I guess, is a story. It's more of a discussion <laughs> topic because this is a... This, I would say, what is it? Look, I, that's the format. I, I, I'd say this is something that's pretty near and dear to my heart, uh, uh, writing in the game industry, game writing. Um, and David Gator, and uh, uh, he's a ex-writer for Bioware, who you know, a company very well known for their writing with the Mass Effect trilogy, and uh, what's the other one they do? Dragon Age, yes, Dragon, Dragon Age. Age. Oh, and also, oh, there's another one that's really good, but I can't remember. Uh, it, it's it's in like um, Chinese fantasy mythology. Uh, Jade, Jade Empire. Empire. Oh. Jade. Jade. Fucking Empire, that was a great game. Xbox exclusive Jade Empire, by the way. Mm. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. It was a good time. Like, as much as Microsoft was absolutely cutting the shit out of Rare Studios, um, they they had some really good exclusive titles at the same time from other developers. Fable was really good. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, sidetrack. No, no, no. All good. And, like, this this is just... All these games that you're talking about all have excellent writing. It's, like, one of the reasons why we go to these games. And I don't know, I just, I feel like I've noticed over the last like eight or nine years that I've, like writing in games has gone downhill a lot. Like there's, there's very few game companies and devs that I can point to that I'd say do just exemplary writing. Um, and obviously right now in the States, there's the whole WGA strike that's happening right now. And this is sort of brought up. Mm. Uh, this Twitter thread from David Gator, as I said, he was a veteran from Bioware. He left in 2016, and uh, this is what he had to say on Twitter. Writing is one of those disciplines which is constantly undervalued. It's something that everyone thinks they can do. I can write a sentence. I know what, what story is. And frankly, the difference mm. between good and bad writing is lost on many anyhow. So why pay much for it, right? In games where you even see this attitude among those who want to get into the field, I don't have any real skills i can't art i can't program so i guess i'll become a writer it's better than q a <laughs> fucking hell as if game writing didn't require any actual skill which requires development even bioware which built its, its success on a reputation for good stories and characters slowly turned from a company that vocally valued its writers to one where we qu- where we were quietly resented with a reliance on expensive narratives seen as the albatross holding the company back Maybe that sounds like a heavy charge, but it's what I distinctly felt up until I left in 2016. Suddenly, all anyone in charge was asking, how do we have less writing? A good story would simply happen via a magic (laughs) wand rather than be something that needed support and priority. At the end of the day, you can say you like good writing, whether it's in a game, a movie, an online article or whatever. But if you don't value it enough to prioritize and support it and yes, pay writers what they're due, 
that's not what everyone else is hearing. Uh, Brendan, can you sympathize here at all with David Gator's comments on Twitter? I'm firmly in David Gator's camp on this one. Yeah, I completely agree. Like any any form of media that I consume, whether it be gaming, film, TV, books, etc., the the narrative and the writing is the 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 key piece for me. The, it could be the prettiest game in the world. It could be the most open game in the world, the biggest sandbox. But if the writing sucks, it's not going to sort of hit the heights for me. And mm. yeah, like we talked about that sort of peak area with with Mass Effect and, and Dragon Age and stuff you were doing at Bioware, you know, um, you know KOTOR and stuff. Mm. Um, it, w- it was peak writing. It was peak fantasy, peak science fiction in, from a gaming perspective. And we haven't really hit mm. those heights frequently since like you look at something like forespoken the writing in that was you know rougher than sandpaper (laughs) oh yes square enix hates creativity of all forms yeah yeah so so like looking back like back in our day or you know back in david gator's bioware days like that was some peak writing in the game space and we don't often hit those heights again it's very very infrequent where we can talk about how great the the narrative was or how great the pacing was or, or just the overall uh you know written concept of these video games it's more about the sizzle and and less about the substance which kind of sucks and yeah. yeah i'm completely with david gator here like he's he's a very talented individual and has like written some of my favorite games of all time and we don't have those types of narrative beats anymore and it makes me sad mm. Mm. yep lucky yeah. All right. So I I I completely agree, and I think it's indicative of of one of the fundamental issues of any large organization in any industry is that creative pursuits and and creative talent is almost always undervalued more than it should be. Um, creativity creativity is one of the hardest things to excel at in humanity across the board in fact to the point that most people that go into different sort of business pursuits and what have you and business degrees um usually look deep within themselves in their child you know in their young adult years um perhaps they have something on the side that they're interested in but they go uh yeah but i I, at the end of the day i need to make money i want to i have all these other goals i want to start a family what have you or maybe i'm just not quite as good as i need to be to see a genuine career path so they don't go in that direction so it actually takes a huge amount of courage for people to pursue that Mm. particular career path courage that i wouldn't have um you know i did a little bit of music on the side i studied it um and i was curious about potentially exploring a a career path in composing and what have you but um i got scared off seeing how that how creatives got treated in the industry side Mm. how hard it was to become not only successful but actually make money to to survive um and and i have a running joke where um you know our writers are only as good as our last cold snap um which is dark as hell because i think particularly writers don't get paid nearly enough to be Mm -hmm. able to even survive and more often i see in larger organizations 
people do see people do see those functions which are creatively driven artistically driven you know good writing as a box tick exercise where it is anything but that Mm -hmm. and there is so much risk and so much testing and care that needs to go in that um freedom also needs to be afforded to that so if you let people that aren't creative functionally and foundationally calling the shots um well then you're basically not letting people within that area do their jobs it's one of those things where um, our society and the way that organizations are structured, um, it seems like only or most cases only in management, you can make a lot of money. So mm. you get to a certain level of being great in the thing that you do. But unless you start to become a people leader within that area mm. um, and theoretically you retain the good talent, but if you're only getting rewarded for your people leadership skills, then you're no longer pursuing you know, the heights and the specialization that you can get into that technical skill set. And so that wanes over time and that becomes more and more watered down the higher you go, which is a problem because you actually need people that that master these fields and you want people that are masters of this field training and developing the next generation so they will also be masters. But that's not there's no dollar value attachment to that or it's not something that's easily understood and seen and things that aren't easily understood and seen Mm. don't make as much money they don't get the buy-in and i think that's a a fundamental issue with how almost all organizations are structured currently Mm. and i would like to see a shift in the future where the actual doers and the talent have rewards for staying in that lane um because that's actually more important and rarer. Very yeah. well said. There's a real scarcity in the Very market. well said. Thank you. And uh, yeah, and I'm in full agreement with the both of you here. Like as you mentioned at the start, there, Brendan, I am. I, I love good writing in across any of my media. It is the most important thing to me. I need good writing and good characters and a, and an interesting plot. And it sucks that it's undervalued, not just in games, but across all of these mediums. Like, God, especially TV writers, they have so Mm -hmm. much work to do and they just get completely shafted in pay, especially with the new streaming services, which is why this whole thing has even come Mm. about with this massive writer's strike going on in the US. And it, it sucks. It's a problem with media in general that, you know, if your face isn't out there, if someone can't see your face and then connect it to an IP, then you're not going to be seeing a ton of money from that. They, they'll be like, we can just hire someone else and put someone else's name in the credits when it definitely shouldn't be like that. The writing is the most important part. If I think about great writers that I know like in across any industries I can only think of like the the big dog is it Aaron Sorkin or Aaron, Aaron Sorkin mm-hmm. the one who did like a, a West Wing and all that and has got gone on to direct a bunch of films but there's only one of him you know there's only one of him who has has a name that he can connect to stuff that that causes people to want to go and see it um, and I, I, th- I think there needs to be more of that. We need more like writing deities across all industries that we look to. And when we see that it's being written by them, we're like, fuck yes, we know we're in for something really cool. And David Gator mentioned he left in 2016. And I think you only need to sort of look around that time, what was happening at Bioware to know that that was very much all part of the inevitable downfall of Bioware. Like to think that writing became something that was seen as a crutch rather than the most important part of of those games 
is insane. Like it's so important to them. And I feel like everyone's just going the Ubisoft route where like writing seems for them to be like the very last thing that they worry about, the last box that they tick. Um, Yeah, and you can can see that checklist. As a gamer, you can see that checklist in, for example, Valhalla. When I saw the gay representation just sort of insert itself at random points and it it really felt strange and not really enjoyable, um, you can just tell that, like, it's just because there was a box that needed to be ticked and what needs to be the bare minimum that needs to be put into this in order to to get it it out. Um, In fact, in project management, they call it the minimum viable product. The problem is the minimum viable product has become the norm Mm. and expectation and delivery of products and... We'll get more into that on that side of things when we start um, oh, discussing yeah. some of the f- absolute fucking train wrecks that we've seen released over the last we, couple we, of weeks. Yeah, we've got some yeah stuff to talk about in that yeah. department. And, and look, I, I just want to say it's not all grim. There is still some really good writing that gets done mm. in the games industry. I'd, I'd point at most of Sony's first party stuff, like the recent God of War. The writing was and characterization was absolutely fantastic. Uh, anything Naughty Dog puts out, anything Rockstar puts out, there are still companies that value their writers and really care about the characters in the story. It's just, it is very few mm. and far in between. And it would be really good to see more of that quality level of writing get throughout the games industry a little bit more. Um, yeah. I don't see it happening anytime soon, though. Nope. Uh, and writing, writing is something I consider very, very precious to me. And uh, speaking of precious, <laughs> oh, <laughs> segue! <laughs> you're gonna need the One Ring to go and steal the best rig possible, so you can play the Lord of the Rings Golem on the highest PC settings. Like, holy shit! Look, I'm not a big PC person, so not 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 a lot of this means a lot to me. Um, Bre- Brendan, do you have a, a, a good rig? Do you have something that you think I have be able a, to run? I have a rig that will be able to handle Gollum. Will I play yep. it on this rig? No way in hell. But like, I have one <laughs> that will meet the uh, the recommended requirements, which is oh, absurd. Dang. Which is like they they want thirty two gigabytes of RAM, an RTX thirty thirty eighty with DLSS quality. Like, holy fucking shit. Uh, and that's uh, at I think that's at 1440p though too with ray tracing on. So that's not even with uh, at 4K with ray tracing. Which then it's saying that you need like a, a 4080. <laughs> it's it's insane. It's like yeah, just just drop a few grand to play this game. That's going to be shit. If you don't drop a few grand, you're going to have an even worse time. Like it's insane to me. <laughs> it's fucking wild. Lucky, what do you think of? Uh... Gollum's very high-end PC requirements. I think if you dropped $2,000 into a 4080, you'd just be absolutely spraying at the concept that you have to still run it in performance mode on DLS, <laughs> uh, DLSS in order to play it at 60 frames per second. It is absolutely bonkers. So, <sighs> so the, the, and it's just like um, Gollum from the very beginning was like, a, who, who is this fucking four game? And it only makes itself even more niche because it can only be run at extremely high-end specs. So apparently this is for... Uh, rich people, mm. rich people that care deeply about technical requirements in games to the point that they invest in that higher end shit. Um, is this 
Like, is is that the market? <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm trying to. I'm looking at the end result, and I'm trying to reverse engineer the thought process from a marketing standpoint. Who was this for? Well, it's it's slated to come out on Switch as well. So, like, to scale this thing down so enough to run on the Switch, let alone a super PC, like. Yeah, the, the game like one end is either going to be the low end or the high end. One of them is going to be really busted because trying to port this to handle <laughs> both ends of that market is going to be a mess. Oh. and uh, you know, the kids is that what the kids are clamoring for these days? They 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 want Gollum. I have no idea. Like like that Data Leak Entertainment, who's doing this, they're primarily known for like low, not no lo, not low quality, but like lower, like less. Um, resource required games like they've they've done simple point and click adventure games which aren't too hefty mm. as far as your technical requirements so then so them going from that to this where it's like you need a 4080 yeah, to so run huge. this game the way it's envisioned to run is insane to me and i'm worried like <laughs> i watched i put myself through the entire 40 minute gameplay demo showcase Shit. tech q a at the same time and it was terrible the game looks busted <laughs> like there, there's disclaimers everywhere about this is beta footage this is not the final cut etc but this was showcased last month and the game's coming out at the end of this month like it is going to be a long 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 hill to climb i think to get this to a standard that will be you know highly appropriate to be reviewed at a, at a you know at a high number like i think this is going to be consumed <laughs> and then like reviewed very poor like we're talking about redfall later but like it's gonna it's gonna get some bad metacritic scores mm. i feel from what i've seen like the graphics look like it's several gens back the environments don't look too great the character models look really really weak and underdone and oh. for them to then say you need this beast computer to run this to have those character models that look weak and underdone and the the low poly count on the on the environments i'm like what are you doing data lick entertainment i don't know what you're up to here but it's not going to be a good time in a few weeks i think <laughs> i i think if they were if it was for kids they should just do minecraft but with lord of the rings shit <laughs> just license it. it yeah yeah whatever yeah. yeah but like but like you know whatever minecraft is like an unlicensed version of minecraft so it's just different enough that it can be called its own thing so i don't know instead of squares make everything triangles yeah chuck chuck it in roblox or something like yeah anything (laughs) like that because the tone the tone actually like it's got a mature vibe to it at times from the the gameplay demo that i watched in this showcase like Mm. it looks like it is a bit more mature as opposed to cutesy and kidsy so i don't know what's going on with this one man well and that's the thing is that the lord of the rings definitely the the market audience you're looking at is sort of is is adults ranging from from probably like 20s and above even even then really more so 30s and above Mm. that's the lord of the rings client base so uh and as soon as i saw the designs of Gollum in the initial um preset it did look like they were trying to make a more kid-friendly one where he looked a little bit more cute but then at the same time it's this horrific bolding um you know malformed creature it's like i don't know is that really is that going to resonate with kids um and and i just don't see them being able to release a product that would resonate with kids which is what they're trying to get but also resonate with adults i think you need to pick one and go with it either you're doing a proper 
you're doing something that the adults want and what the adults want is usually like a, a, a well a mature story action adventure sort of title um but if you're doing it with the kids just fucking do minecraft stop what is this <laughs> Yeah, I just don't understand. Who is this for? Yeah, I don't understand. This this title has has got a rough release a- ahead of it. Like it's already been delayed loads of times, mm-hmm. and even how they announced the release date, we just knew after the last delay, we knew it was coming sometime in 2023. We had no idea when, and then all of a sudden, like a month before release, they're like, "Yep." end of may it's coming it's like a month and a half away it's, i don't know it just it, it just sort of reeks of it's a it's it's getting crapped out to me they're like we just need to get yeah, this yeah thing that's out because there. the We've funding's dried up sunk cost fallacy we got to make money on this fucking thing and we can't spend any more time on it because it's probably gonna flop anyway yep. um th- th- there was another controversy as well where like this game that people are already not excited for there is a deluxe edition of the game where one of the very few differences in it is that the elf characters speak in the Lord of the Rings elvish language. So rather That's than just the deluxe version, you have to pay extra money if you want the elves to speak elvish. So weird. Who is this for? <laughs> I don't understand their choices. I just don't. I don't understand it. Normally, like, I can look to Square Enix business practices and I can understand it. I don't like it. I think it's soulless and terrible, but I understand, like, the kid brain logic that's behind it where, you know, they don't give a fuck about the end product, push it out, make money. This, I just don't understand. It it ain't going to make money. It feels like... The, the head no. of Daedalic, like their their young child was maybe a Lord of the Rings fan. They're like, Dad or Mum, make this game for me. They're like, and they just wore them down over years and years oh. saying, make me a Gollum game, make me a Gollum game. They're like, all right, fucking Timmy, I'm going to make you one. And, and then they've just put it to work. And yeah, we're oh, going to yeah. see all that hard work pay off or not pay off in a few weeks because it's going to yeah. be bad. Yeah, yeah, it's like some lunatic is at the helm that made that with all the money that made the the decision and the request, and then everyone around them's like, "Well, how do we make this fucking work? How do we make this shit show a reality?" And the answer is no one. There is no answer, and that's why we've got what we've and got. It's a shame too because WB nailed it with like the Shadows of War and Shadows of Mordor mm. games. Like that concept for Lord of the Rings was just perfection, yeah. and now we get this, and it's like, yeah. I know they're trying to. Yeah to expand the Tolkien world and they've got plans for films and games and TV shows and all this shit. But like, yeah, this ain't going to be coming out too strong from the gates. That's for sure. We'll see. Well, and this is the thing. Like I, I, uh, I agree with you completely, but I'm also like, I'm also open and, and ready in my heart and soul for there to be like some zeitgeist shift and, and everything shifts from Minecraft and TikTok to Gollum. <laughs> Um, the world's not ready for that type of shift. Yeah, I, like I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready emotionally for that. And if that's what happens, and it's the greatest fucking thing ever, and everyone, I don't know, it's just like this spark in humanity's reignited. I'm all for it, look, but yeah. I just don't see it happening. Look, I'm very excited for this game. Like, other than Spider-Man Two, this would have to be the title <laughs> I'm most excited for this year. But I, I need one of two things. I need it to either be a complete and utter piece of trash like the room 
levels of garbage. If people are familiar with the, the great film The Room, or oh, Hi Gollum, yeah, so, so <laughs> or something that's really great. Like either of those. Like if it's just uh. like Dead Island Two, where it ends up being just like a pretty good game. You know, it's like it's all right. Then I'm just gonna be bored shitless so yeah give me something give me something fun to talk about Dadalick Entertainment I am keen and I may be keen on the games coming up in the next week let's find out we have Darkest Dungeon 2 coming to PC May 8th The Lord of the Rings Heroes of Middle Earth coming to iOS May 10th Fuga Melodies of Steel 2 coming to all platforms May 11th. TT Isle of Man Ride on the Edge 3. Holy shit with the first chapter in the title. Uh, That's going to be on all platforms as well. Also May 11th. And finally, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is coming to Nintendo Switch May 12th. Brendan... You could have t- just said a whole bunch of shovelware crap and the Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> Any of those titles stand out to you, Brendan? Um, obviously, Tears of the Kingdom is the one that everybody wants to talk about. Everyone's already anointing it the game of 2023 and, and whatever else. Like, I'm not a big... Like, I, I appreciate the hell about what Nintendo have done with the Zelda franchise and I enjoyed Breath of the Wild, but it was not my game of the year that year. Horizon Zero Dawn was my game of the year that year. Oh, I, yeah. As far as what I look for from a game, and we're talking story, we're talking narrative, like, you know, yeah. Zelda, especially Breath of the Wild, and it looks like Tears of the Kingdom's the same. It's a big, for the most part, open, silent sandbox, which you can do a ton in, but like... I want my protagonist to have conversations. I want him to have more emotions than just a roll and a grunt. I want some more substance to the writing, which I guess nicely ties into the, the Gator talk we had earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I want more emotion and like, I'm, I'm looking for, I'll play Tears of the Kingdom. I'll probably enjoy it. I think it'll be fine, but it's just a different game for me. Darkest yeah. Dungeon 2 is going to be fun to play. Like, it's been in early access for a couple of years now, so that's the full release of it now. And, you know, pretty dark RPG with some some pretty hectic roguelike elements. I really enjoyed the original Darkest Dungeon, so I'll spin that up a little bit too. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm excited for gamers with Tears of the Kingdom. It's going to sell like mad. It's going to review just as crazy i imagine we we're talking about the over under is if is it going to review higher than the 97 that breath of the wild got has on metacritic is it going to be a 98 is it going to be a 95 i feel it's in the 90s i feel it's going to review well but like mm. i don't know it just doesn't move the needle for me like some other games do like i'm more excited to play starfield than i'm to play tears of the kingdom yeah okay totally fair uh Lockie, do you f- feel the same about tears of the kingdom I'm more interested in Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, personally, like, I I enjoyed Darkest Dungeon 1 a lot. Um, But when the demo for 2 came out, it didn't have controller support, so I didn't give it a go properly, and I didn't... I didn't didn't get a good feel for it. I felt very... I thought it was really strange. It seems to have, like, this sort of more animated open-world mechanic where you're in this wagon and... Yeah, you're moving around in a wagon, which I found really boring. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I've got a few. I was really keen on this release initially, but then when I saw the actual product, I got really nervous. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, that demo release was was scary in the bad way. It wasn't scary in the good way where you're like, ooh, horror. It's like, ooh, this looks bad. I, I don't think wagons are specifically bad. I love 
Trail of Oregon or whatever it was. Uh, Oregon Trail, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't Oregon know. Trail, that's right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, uh, I'm not saying that it can be. It's inherently bad like Gollum. It, like it could be. <laughs> you just talked about how great Gollum's going to be. It's going to shift. It's going to shift the zeitgeist. It, it's it's going to be a great. Yeah, I know. I, w- I was trying to put a positive spin on it, but we all know it's going to be an absolute fucking disaster. I was trying to be hopeful. I tried to inject a little bit of hope, but yeah. Um, is it Tears of the Kingdom or Tears of the Kingdom? Is it like space-time fabric tears or is it people crying? I say tears, but like, I guess yeah, I, I haven't yeah. had one way or another say that's the right one. So now I'm questioning reality too. I'm thinking, t- I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I've always heard Tears of the Kingdom, but... It, it, in terms of the actual like themes in in Zelda, you know, even from Ocarina of Time from the very beginning, like tears could could fit in there. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Look, I'm intrigued. I'm always intrigued by a Zelda title. There's always a baseline absolute love in my heart for Zelda. Even if I don't enjoy the game, I I am almost guaranteed to enjoy the music soundtrack to some degree, and that's something I always appreciate. Mm. And somehow Nintendo has managed to stay true to to that and has never really released a poor quality music side of things in Zelda. I absolutely love all the weird shit that they do that they done with Breath of the Wild and will continue with Tears based on its theme, which is incorporating like more traditional Chinese music into into the mix with that that you know, that flute that flute oboe thing. You know what I mean? And the pentatonic scale stuff. I like that they're constantly reinventing themselves and trying to do things to make it fresh. And it it works. So, if nothing else, I'm going to get a damn good YouTube soundtrack to listen to. <laughs> look, Lockie, look, I can confirm it is actually Tears of the Kingdom because uh, Shintaro Furukawa, the CEO of Nintendo, has come out and said that this next Zelda game they named uh, they're, they're naming in honor of the late great queen elizabeth so there, there you go you that that question answered for you now darkest <laughs> darkest dungeon 2 is it playstation tier playstation plus tears of the kingdom <laughs> as in t-i-e-r-s and it was just a mistranslation oh, yes yes yeah. now, I, I know uh, andrew from the inconsolables is very excited for darkest dungeon 2 so i i definitely say yeah check it out check it out Lockie. but yep tears of the kingdoms the big one for me brendan you you basically spoke my mind horizon zero dawn was my game of the year <coughs> that year and because hey this game has this fun gameplay but they also decided to put a story in there unlike breath of the wild i still had a great time can i be cynical for a second (laughs) for once in my fucking life if that's not me living and breathing cynicism (laughs) um age group your demographic storyline um for um horizon zero dawn they were you know intentionally writing and investing in quality to appeal to that age demographic yeah. whereas with Zelda they were clearly going for a younger crowd oh, so it's like yeah, yeah. it's kind of like it's it's no surprise which one gravitated towards which in that as well yeah but, uh, but my point is uh, we were, we were definitely much in the minority uh, we were mm. like if like most yeah. if you get most gamers together I'd say like you know 8 out of 10 of them would have said that Breath of the Wild was there game of the year compared yep. to horizon it's because mentally you're ma- you're more mature than the average <laughs> definitely, demographic definitely. in that spot so it all works Appreciate out that. so it's all a pat on the back moment I- well i'm done. keen for some more sandbox fun it looks like we're going to be able to do some crazy shit in tears of the kingdom so i'm gonna get it i'm gonna play the absolute fuck out of it is it gonna be my game of the year 
probably not, but hey, who knows? Nintendo might surprise me. Well, yeah, Go- Golem's definitely the forerunner for this one. Oh yeah, yeah, true. They got it. They got to beat out. So Golem. it's Go. It, it, yeah, it's Golem's race to lose, pretty <laughs> much for this year. I think. <laughs> Oh, dear. And that'll do us for the games coming up in the next week. Let's start chatting about the games that we've been playing. Brendan, you are our guest. It is tradition on News to Reviews for our guest to get us kicked off with impressions. What have you been playing this week, my friend? Well, I'm going to start with one that I think only I have been playing between the collective three of us here, and then we can jump into the one that a few of us have been playing. And I have uh, jumped into Arcane Studios' very divisive, very poorly reviewed hit known as Redfall. So I've been playing that this week. And you know what? Like I saw IGN give its final score overnight of four out of 10. I thought that was a little too aggressive. I think uh, the game itself is not without its flaws. Don't get me wrong. It could have a lot more added to it. But overall, like, I've been enjoying my time. It's just good, mindless fun. I like the concepts. I like Arcane's art style. It's got a very Arcane feel to it as far as the character models, the environments, the abilities. Like, it's, uh, it feels like... Arcane is taking the best, or not the, well, some of the best parts of Dishonored and Deathloop and trying to make it something new with Redfall. But it also feels like maybe they didn't realize that the release date was this week until the night before and did the old, uh, you know, school assignment rush to get it done to submit on time. So it is a little watered down. It is a little busted at times. There was some, some funny bugs where enemies and things like that just stopped moving and just floated across the screen without any any movement from their arms and legs, which was oh. hilarious when you're getting chased by like a static vampire that's just floating at me like this. Like <laughs> I was in like a, a shitty haunted house at a, at a theme park or something. <laughs> but like, it's fine. The characters are, are interesting. The combat's okay. simple. It's gory. I wish it was gorier is a gripe of mine. Like, you know, vampires and death and bloodshed lean into that more. Like, you don't see any wounds. Like, you don't see any bite marks. You don't see any ripped up throats. It's just dead NPCs lying in a pool of blood that just look like they've just copy pasted some of those assets over and over, which is kind of a little bit annoying, but Mm. it's been Mm. fine. I've only played the single player so far. I haven't played with anybody. I've heard the, the online or the shared experience is even more busted. Benny, yep. a friend of mine, was telling me that um, anytime he'd press the uh, like the ping button in in the online shared experience, he'd get disconnected immediately. So like, oh it's kind of bad when a button you need in a lot of these open games with friends where you're trying to ping enemies or items that that yeah. crucial button is is a game breaker. So <laughs> stuff like that would not be a good time. But like, I've been playing on my Xbox playing solo all week and it's been fine it's not the best it's not the worst i think that was it 15 57 on metacritic i think that's probably pretty fair i'd give it a you know five and a half to to a six out of ten or yeah 57 so i'm pretty well on the on the pulse with what metacritic is scoring it at but it's Mm. been enjoyable it's got some of the good parts of arcane but it just feels a little watered down and rushed and it could be a lot more than what this final product was i think what we got we got so much shown of this game 
leading up to release. Like there was demos and showcases and new slices mm. of gameplay and mm. uh, cinematics leading up to the release. The bar was set really high, especially as one of the first exclusive Xbox games and for it to come out yeah. so fumbled and busted is a little sad. Like there's no cinematics in the game. It's all done through like static... <laughs> Uh, like panes like static like artistic images and with the voiceover yeah and I uh, fucking hate yeah. that like it works in some types of games don't get me wrong like visual novels and stuff yeah that's what you're there for yep. but with a big triple A I don't want a static image playing out this story and giving me the background with just some voiceover like give me some nice cutting edge high fidelity cutscenes. and I got none of that so that's a big bugbear but overall it's been okay. I've played worse. I've played far worse. Don't get me wrong. I, I think that can be pulled off with enough artistic direction. There needs to be like some some core quality and skill there. If it's just done because it's due to budget, um, which it clearly mm. is in this case, yeah, it's it usually rings pretty yeah. hollow. And it's an arcane thing. Like they did did a lot of that storytelling through that with Deathloop as well, where there was sort of mm. static comic pains and, and the voiceover work yeah. but yeah i think a game like redfall would have really added to that experience with some actual trailers whether it be using in-game or just you know cgi based stuff it would have really told the story a lot more because it's a bit weak mm. yeah can i ask you um i'm just curious from your experience because you've played it through and i've been seeing a lot of this um from from reviews it, do you get that issue with the vampires where as soon as you go behind like a, an obstacle or an object, um, they can't seem to work their way around or it takes them a really long time. Uh, it, hap- it happened once or twice, but it wasn't like a recurring yeah. theme for me. And I don't know if it was just some weird clipping around some of the environmental yeah. elements. Because even I, when I was navigating that environment, sometimes there was some really rigid, like little nothing rocks or little points of a building where I'd try and skirt around it to avoid. And then I'm like, oh, I'm stuck. Oh, fuck, hang on. I got to go straight back and then strafe across. So I think it was just in the overall game. I didn't really, I wasn't able to use environments to kite the vampires sometimes because, yeah, they were intense. Some of those vampires, they come at you thick and fast. Okay. Okay. All right. So it sounds like, uh, I don't know, you may have had like a, a different patch version or played it on a different console where, you know, some gamers are getting different experiences mm. on that. I was curious though, because I know whenever there's there's a bug that's happening on a very specific version of that release, that's the one that will make the rounds on the internet because it's the funniest one to laugh at. So it is interesting. Um, what What... What version did you play this game on? I've been playing it on the Xbox Series X. So the the gruntier uh, of the consoles. Okay. And, it, and it's been running fine. Like, yeah, there's been a couple of yeah. textural issues here or there. Or as I mentioned, the, the enemies just floating across the screen running at me instead of seeing their legs move. And it was just, it was piss funny. It happened a few times and it took the took the fear out of the game because, yeah, it is. it can be a little intense because there's enemies everywhere. No matter where you go, there's just... Cult members yeah. and vampires everywhere you turn. Like, it's it's a very densely populated world, that's for sure. Mm. It sounds like the game was optimized for the Xbox. Um, friend of the show, Aaron, will be very happy to hear about that. He's always fucking gushing over that goddamn console. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he's been playing on Xbox as well, too, and I think he said it's been, like, running, running okay. Mm. Um, I know mm. one of the big controversies... Uh, uh, before it came out, Brendan was the announcement that on console it was only be running at 30 fps at, at release, and they're going to add performance later on down the track. Um, how have you found it? How have you found it 
have you found it running at 30? Do you, like, is, it, is it a solid 30 or it's are, a you, solid are you experiencing 30. stutters? Okay. It's a solid okay. 30. There was a couple of stutters here or there in a few environments because there is some some weird environmental things going on with this like toxic red vampiric smoke shit combining that with some of the lighting and then because the, the world is huge you are going from uh you know in these drained out creek beds to to suburbia to mountainsides there is a lot going on and there is a bit of heavy lifting i think required from the the engine there but overall it's it's been pretty clean and the game itself like you're not running around at the like you're not the flash, like you're moving and you've got a, a run button, but 30 frames is more than enough to to handle a game of this style, I think. Okay, nice. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I think those bugs where it's like, you know, their legs disappearing and stuff like that, that's always a good bit of fun. But yeah, but performance issues can just be <laughs> like a real nightmare, like how it's been with Jedi survivors. I think, um, I think that when it comes to first person, fps games it really it really is noticeable when you're anything below god even 40 frames per second i i would find unacceptable at this point it's just it's yeah it's a challenge it's a trade-off so if you're comfortable with that level that's fine but i'd say a lot of fps gamers out there would be absolutely spewing because they're like looking for 90 frames per second as a minimum to enjoy their their point and click adventure Mm. Primarily, I'm yeah, a, primarily a console boy, so I'm used to always yeah. dealing with lower frame rates and whatnot, and it's it's fine. It's yeah. fine. And the game, it's like, it's not frantic pace, yeah. Yeah, motion blur helps with that. That's really what that technology shines with, is actually making like a 30 frames per second game look pretty decent, particularly when you've got controller played version mm-hmm. of the game. Uh, I'm thinking more for like the mouse mouse and keyboard oh, warriors. Yeah. They're going to, yeah, they're, they're going to be like, this is disgusting apparently it can run at 60 on on pc i don't know what kind of rig you need to get it to run at that but yeah apparently it can run at 60 on pc it was just on console that it was launching at 30 fps <laughs> you need a you need a 4080 <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> on dlss performance to run it at you, you mentioned at the start there brendan that yeah it's not got the greatest metacritic score and the reception to redfall has been uh, I, I think it's pretty safe to say it's been pretty abysmal people mm-hmm. are not happy and like you, you know you're getting you're getting the 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 great range of opinions here you're getting the the sony simpson the playstation ponies who are considering this a dub because they're fucking idiots and <laughs> think that somehow this is better for them on the sony's platform if xbox does worse um and then you're just getting the people who are, who are sane and just upset that xbox isn't putting out good fucking games um, and yeah, the, the user score, I believe, is sitting like around one point something. So the users have definitely been a lot more vicious than what the, the critics have been, which is pretty, pretty common. And um, it's gotten to the point even where uh, good old uh, Philly cheesesteak Spencer, he, um, he was due to go on to kind of funny games podcast, their Xbox podcast, and it happened to fall around the same time as Red Fall Falls release and i I gotta say like i I listened to the interview and there was a lot of corporate speak bullshit in there but i I gotta say phil spencer has to be the best at doing the corporate bullshit speak because he sounds like he's very genuine and he actually sounds Mm. like he is a xbox gamer and someone who actually cares about the community and the the one thing i did like bullshit corporate speak aside the one thing i really did like that came out of that interview is it seems like they're taking the responsibility on themselves. They're like, this is our fuck up at Xbox rather than just pointing at 
pointing at the uh, arcane or pointing at you know factors around the release of this game that that really uh, yeah yeah, yeah really uh, it. I had a different take on, I had a different take on that one I know there was a lot around that where they were like yeah we we take personal responsibility cop it on the chin but also he got in a small jab saying that that team did not deliver their intended targets and that's a pretty you know in corporate speak that triggers to me oh they are not happy there and they mm. that's very much finger pointing they're going to be looking there's there's going to be some consequence to that statement internally that's a finger point so like you know he he says oh yeah it's all a personal responsibility cop it on the chin but also it's their fault they, they, he did say in there too that they probably should have been more hands-on with the writing process and the creative process. I think early on they sort of, I can't remember the exact wording mm. he mentioned, but they they didn't give them enough attention or, or enough focus from a Microsoft or an Xbox perspective to ensure that this thing came out the way it should have. But I think the media beat up probably hypes it more. Like it was everywhere. Mm. Like you couldn't turn without seeing a Redfall campaign or a new trailer. Like they were putting it in front of everybody every second of every day which naturally builds up the game and then when it comes out subpar that fall from grace is even further i think it's quality control we need we need from these large-scale developers to be more uh invest more in quality control before it gets released because there need there's a disconnect between marketing expectations where their job is to sell the product and get buzz going but then if the product itself is dog shit what's the mm-hmm. point yeah. We're- so there is there is two sides of that coin and I think marketing seems to get more money because it's easier to relate their value add but I, I think there needs to be uh, more being scaled in the direction of quality control. Uh, look, uh, absolutely. You're 100% right. Like this is... This is embarrassing for Xbox. This is embarrassing for Microsoft. They've spent billions of dollars to buy up all of these studios and this has been happening since i think 2019 they started buying up most of the industry and what the fuck have they got to show for it like i think hi-fi rush was a decent title but it's still nothing to blow people's minds i don't think it's going to be getting anyone to pick up a a series x it underperformed they've said that they wanted more Mm. sales out on like it was was a phenomenal game don't get me wrong tango smashed it with hi-fi rush but Mm. It was a very niche mm. title. It's a very niche genre of game. Um, but mm. it's a shame that they've had more misses than hits as far as their exclusives, especially the last few years, that's for sure. What I don't understand, though, is when it comes to sales and, and what they were expecting there is it was released for free on Game Pass. So what were they expecting to make? And not to mention they didn't market it at all either. And, and look, I, I think... Um uh, but like when you release it for free on the on a large scale platform, like clearly you're not expecting to make money on it. Like, yeah, well, what's I just don't yeah. understand. They're, they're running a completely different race to Sony and Nintendo. They've, yeah. they've switched to subscription and broader Microsoft Xbox ecosystems as opposed to yeah. physical units being sold out. And that's the thing. And I, I think features just aren't enough to sell consoles like you have to have the games that's how that one of the big reasons why ps4 won the last generation is because they just had all of the exclusives and ps4 is one of the best-selling consoles of all time um i, I can't remember if it's overtaken ps2 i think it, i think it might have by now it might be i the think it's overtaken console. ps2 yeah i think we we and the switch is still the still the other big boys at the top with the ps4 these days 
Mm. I just don't understand why they would let this release in the state that it was in. Like, they have to know that eyes are on them at this point with all their first party stuff. And we're used to having good quality first party stuff. Like, all the best stuff on Nintendo's hardware is all their first party stuff. All the best stuff mm. on PlayStation is all Sony's first party stuff. I, I want there to be a reason why I'm pulling my hair out because I can't afford to pick up a Series X. You know what I mean? I want them to make me want their ecosystem, mm. but they're not giving me that at all. Like, if if Starfield isn't a hit later this year, if they don't have all their ducks in a row with that one, I, I don't know. I don't see any reason why anyone should be excited about any of the stuff that Xbox has upcoming in their first party lineup in the future at all because they just shown that over and over again they can't deliver and another reason why we don't want the fucking ABK deal to go through because if this happens to the massive amounts of IP that Activision Blizzard has under their umbrella like fuck me it's it's the destruction of the games industry I'm being a bit melodramatic here but holy shit that's a that's a that's a lot of IP you're ignoring the fact that the games industry died a long time ago <laughs> like you're and and we're just in the final death throes in 2016 like, uh, you know, when David Gator left. It's going out. It's going out in a whimper, not in a roar. These things happened a long time ago. As soon as mobile gaming and multiplayer gaming became prevalent and proved that you don't need to release a particularly good product mm. that has a lot of investment in it in order to make a shit ton of money. Um, and it's more about marketing. It's more about access and and targeting the right demographics. Um, the, this is the mess that we're in and and unfortunately um we are in a certain area of gamer that is actually not reflective of the most money-making demographic where we like playing good games that have care and effort put into them and we like to have enjoyable experiences we're not actually the key demographics mm. for making money we're not diablo immortal yeah you know, fan base. But yeah, I am and, a Marvel Snap fan base. I'm part of that ecosystem. Yeah. They, <laughs> well, then you're, yeah, you're an interesting one. You're, they, they'll be listening to you then. They won't be listening to the shit that we say. <laughs> oh, you got to invest more in your writers. They'll be like, yeah, no, we got to invest more in marketing. And, and mm. you know, um, damage control after releasing a, a, a minimum viable product. Um, mm. Like... They they would have known well and truly in advance that the game was going to be um, a clunker, but they released it anyway because they worked out in the back end that it was more cost effective to release it now than continuing to invest in this thing. Yeah. So, and and you're right, Phil Spencer is good at his job because he's helping soften the aftermath of a planned poor release. Um, it's called damage control. So he's good at damage control. Yeah. What can I say? But all of this translates to a shitty experience on the consumer and that's a shame. Yeah. I, I think one of his responses that really pissed me off is is one of the kind of kind of funny lads asked, asked him basically in a very roundabout way why wasn't Redfall delayed again to make sure it hit hit a good quality level and god Phil Spencer's response was the most word salad bullshit thing but it basically boiled down to creatively they don't think it would have made any difference but it completely just ignored the point of performance and quality like it's one thing <laughs> I, I don't think creatively you could have done much else with this game like you gotta you gotta to, you'd have to redesign the game entirely if you wanted to change the sort of creative vision for what they 
want the game to hit. But performance is something that they could do. And it's something that would make the game a lot better as well, too. Uh, like, speaking of performance, Jedi Survivor, I'm having a rough time with that as far as performance is concerned. And it's definitely, once I finish it, going to affect my review score. So if, if they wanted to see a bit, bit higher up in Metacritic, they could have delayed it just that little bit longer and made sure performance was good. But... Yeah, does not definitely does not seem to be the case. Uh, but yeah, look, the whole media circus around Redfall aside, Brendan, do, do you have anything left to say on the actual game itself? Uh, if if you got Game Pass, give it a try. Like, form an opinion yourself instead of looking at the the IGN four out of ten or the the Metacritic mm. fifty seven. Like, like give it a spin. Just be mindful that that online experience could be a little janky. Like I don't have a, a first-hand touch of that, but from my single experience, I've played probably eight or nine hours worth, and like I've enjoyed my time with it. It's been fine. It's been a good, uh, good sort of distraction. Like the the writing, it's it's not going to win any Academy Awards, that's for sure. But mm-hmm. like the parts of the story, I enjoyed. I wish they took the time to explain. Or flesh out other parts there is a bit of a, a lacking there but overall it's okay it's first person shooter with some abilities and a lot of staking of zombie uh, vampires sorry so yeah there's it's fine it's enjoyable if you've got nothing to play and you got game pass spin it up get a few friends on and, and see if, if the connection issues are as bad as <laughs> i mentioned that my mate ben was dealing with but yeah it's it's cool it's fine i've I've spent more time in worse games, that's for sure. Okay. So, d- definitely not something you'd go out and spend full price on, though. No. Like, I, if 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 this was not on Game Pass and I had to go out and spend 90 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever, I would not, knowing what I've experienced so far. But the fact it's part of a subscription that I'm already paying for, yeah, why not? Fair enough. Now, speaking of games that maybe needed a little bit more time in the oven... <laughs> You've been playing something else this week, Brendan. Yes, sir. I've been playing uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. It's oh. been also on the Xbox Series X. It has not been without its bugs, which you alluded to before. Mm-hmm. I spent two to three hours straight of my gameplay running around as Cal Kestis with a lightsaber that was invisible, which was fun. <laughs> Having battles with, oh. with enemies. Like, I can still hear the... Oh, no. But his hands are just in the air like this, holding... Like, he's it's an, he's an imaginary Jedi, it feels like. Like, you're a kid. Yeah. So, oh I dealt God. with that for about three hours, which was pretty difficult. Like, you know, the game can be challenging and trying to work out if I'm blocking or parrying or what stance I'm in. It made things very stressful um, in some of those battles, but uh, it, it sort of came back in a few hours later and I was very thankful to see my my purple lightsaber return to Cal's hands, but it didn't take away from the game. It, it reminds me of that, that there's like an unlock you could get, I think, for Dead Space 2, where it basically Isaac can just like point his finger and just go pew, pew, mm-hmm. and it kills enemies. I like to think that Cal's there making the Jedi noises with his mouth while he's yeah. <laughs> swinging yeah, it around. Yeah, it felt like baby Cal, like hanging out in his backyard playing playing Jedi with his friends or something. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that was interesting. There has been some some frame rate issues and some What, some what platform stuttering. are you playing on? I'm on Series X. Yep. Okay. Yep. So on the Xbox for that one as well. Like, but overall, the game's been super fun to play. Mm. I love the the world that's available here, the the diversity in the planets, the diversity in the enemies, 
some of the returning characters, some of the new characters. Like there's some really cool storytelling going on here. Like Respawn with this formula they've got with uh, Fallen Order and now Survivor, they've they've found a sweet spot as far as storytelling when it comes to Star Wars. And mm. I like they've got that, you know, that Souls-like element in it where it is unforgiving and if you die, you've got to try and make your way back to pick up your fallen essence and get your XP and all that kind of stuff. I like that you just can't mindlessly hack and slash your way to the end. Like there is some strategy here, the different stances that are available so you can really adjust to how you want your Jedi to play or adjust to some of the enemies. Like some of the stances are better to take down certain enemy types, which is kind of cool. Mm. But overall, it's it's been really, really fun to play. Like I love this world. I love what, yeah... Um, respawn have done with this sort of new direction for star wars from a video game perspective and i'm not yet finished jedi survivor but i'm i feel i'm a damn good chunk of the way in like i reckon i've maybe got a third of the game to go and and i've put i don't know easy 20 something hours in i reckon Mm. and yeah it's been super fun i've been enjoying what about you Oh, I I think I'm on the very precipice now of finishing the game. It feels that way to me. I'm pretty sure I'm at last mm. boss kind of kind of area, and it, yeah, it's it's uh, you know performance and and graphical issues aside, it's been just an absolute pure joy. I I, I am. I, You've gotten to Terabithia or wherever it is. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Who knows if you get there or if yeah. you don't? We'll find out in uh, the next. Well, episode. like I haven't gotten there, but like it's. If I don't get that, it's kind of, yeah. Oh, that would be very strange. Well, I won't spoil it for you here, Lockie. And look, I yeah. I don't think. I'm really enjoying the characterization. I think plot-wise, we've seen better better games of this type, like the Guardians of the Galaxy game that came out in the last couple of years. That the story and that and the writing and that severely was severely underrated. Fucking, oh, severely underrated mm. game. So good. I I adore that game. Um, but yeah, I'm really loving what they're doing with the characters here, and just the, the more I play it, the more I enjoy. I'm enjoying all the new stances. Uh, yeah, I'm having a, a really good time with Fallen Order. Are you still enjoying it, Lockie? Yeah, yeah, I'm still enjoying it. Look, it, it is starting to wear off now because I've I've explored as much as I can and, like, I keep going back to the hub world and, and, you know, unlocking. And at a certain point, you do get to... You get to a stage where you're like, okay, I've seen what I, what there is to see. Let's just move this plot along mm. um, and hopefully get a new... One on one or two new areas. I get the feeling that that, that world, um, KOTOR or whatever it's called, Endor... Kobo? Um, Kobo? Kobo, Kobo, that's it, Kobo. Yeah. Um, Kobo with the chocobo. Um, <laughs> they got that chocobo thing and the Kobo. Yeah, they, they and really do. It's called, what's it called? It's called something stupid as oh, well. I don't know. Um, it's a chocobo. Uh, and also the, the the desert planet, they have the laziest name for the thing that you ride. And I love the thing. It's great. Oh, the Spammel. The, <laughs> yeah. the Spammel. The Spammel. Like it's it's a camel, but it's a spammel. Where did you think um, spam? But it's came clearly from a giraffe. Blocky. It's a giraffe. So why did they call it a spammel? Spam isn't ham. It's 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 spammel meat. There you go. It's just called. It's just rhyming with with camel because it's in the desert. But it's a fucking giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, it's a reskin giraffe. If you look closely at it, it's even got the giraffe patterns on the on the thing. So they just took a giraffe and they said, "Make it space esque," and they did it. Hey, space camel, spammel. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm 
I, I'm loving... Look, I, I think it's a fantastic game. I think it's a little less... I, I don't know. I, I liked um, Fallen Order a lot more, to be honest, just in terms of the narrative, okay. what happens. You had a bit more variety in the areas that you went to. Okay. This feels a little bit more watered down, um, okay. which I wasn't expecting. I was expecting a bit more variety, but, um, you know, bigger, bigger, more open worlds to explore. That's nice. Mm. But for me, that's not a that's not a necessity. And I preferred the pathway system and the more Souls-like areas in, um, in Fallen Order than I did in this one, because... That's the trade-off. If you have big open worlds to explore, you're going to get a more genericized area because they have more shit they need to put in it to keep it entertaining mm. for focus. Um, whereas in the other one, you get I, I just felt like you got a bit more variety and there was a lot more weight in the in the stances, for example, that you come to uncover through Fallen Order than in this where it's very lackluster. You just sort of come across these new stances yeah. and it's just sort of there. <laughs> um they're like, oh, by the way, here you go. Um, and one of them is great and awesome and I love it. And one of them sucks so hard. I want to know which one you think sucks. Is it the one oh. that uses a different device? The slow one. Oh, the slow see, I one don't, sucks. I don't and mind you know, that. Precise. I think visually it looks cool, but <laughs> in terms of playing, I fucking hate it. I think yeah. it's awful. It's it's hard to parry and then hit without getting slapped again as you're doing this big wind-up swing. 100%. Coming from Sekiro, it's like, oh, fuck off. Because, um, like, Sekiro, you can parry in... You can cancel any animation to parry immediately, whereas with that, it's like, nah, you've committed. Fuck you. Uh, stuff that. So, But the other one I enjoy because, like, I, I think it's a neat concept. I don't want to spoil what it is, yep. but it's a cool concept. I fucking love the um, the baseline design of what it is. And what they introduce into it. Why can't we talk about this nah, thing? Look, it's not we, that we'll, big so a spoiler. We can do a spoiler episode. It's not really a spoiler, but it is the most interesting yeah, feature exactly. that came let's, out let's of it Let's leave it for us. We'll do a spoiler episode at some point. Look, um, yeah. Brendan, one of the issues I, had, I have with Jedi Survivor is how you can only apply two stances at a time. Has, has that been an issue? It's a for pain you? in the ass. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass. Like, why, why do you give us multiple stances? I won't go like, to avoid spoilers, why do you give us more than the two and then being and you can't just pause and change it like you can change Cal Kestis's hair and his facial hair just from the pause menu? Yeah. But if you want to change your damn blade stance, you got to find a workbench and do it there, which is a real pain in the ass because you need. It feels like you should be able to just toggle through them infinitely, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's affected. It's it's also very frustrating because there's so many like, oh, you found a pommel. F- uh, upgrade for your fucking lightsaber um and there's like 15 of these so it's very like <laughs> yeah. after a while you're like i don't care J- like that's not new or interesting give me something interesting that's new that actually incorporates into the game um the the skill trees are very disappointing in that sense as well like straight out of the gate y- what you see is what you get no further progression. There's, that's not like tier one of of a two or three tier as the game unfolds and you unlock, you know, through plot plot revelations, this and that. Mm. That's it. And that's, it's really bare bones minimum. Like I, I got nothing out of that skill, uh, skill tier system. Most of the, most of the um, games, uh, sorry, most of the stances feel very samey from the beginning of the tier to the end of the tier. Mm. So, I don't know. It would have been nice if they could have put a bit more interesting shit in there. Um, fuck, I would even take, like, um, stat bonus upgrades. So, y- 
which are, is perfectly fine. So let's say if you're doing the double-bladed stance and you get stat bonuses that allow you to become a little bit uh, faster at blocking or faster, do a little bit more damage doing this or that, but there's just nothing. Yeah, well, that's a fair criticism. I, th- I think that there is a few good upgrades, but there's like... I think nine or ten different skill trees, so it's just so spread out mm-hmm. that you don't, yeah. you don't, you find a lot of them aren't really changing up the gameplay that much. It, but yeah, I, look, I, I agree with that criticism, yeah. Lockie. But even with, even with all that, it's it's still just been a, a pure joy. I love exploring. I love the whole the, their take on Star Wars. Just getting to like kill shit as a Jedi is just endlessly enjoyable. And and they they do do a good job with the combat. It feels incredibly satisfying. So, yeah, I'm, it, I'm down. It's fun. Look, and and this is a thing. It's a, it's a really fun quality game. It's just uh, for me, it, it's the RPG. Uh, the RPG elements are very much box ticky, and they yeah. kind of suck. Mm. Um, and they they probably should not even bother at that stage. Um, I would say. <clears throat> What it reminds me of, what it should re- really be trying for um, is Devil May Cry level upgrades. Um, so there's enough of a difference. And also there's there's a consequence to your input and the, the speed and pattern in which you do your inputs and attacks. There's no variety there. You get what you get straight out of the gate. Yeah. You're going to be doing that same combo from beginning to end. You might, you know, if you hold down your your special attack button you might get one one or two of those as your variety but even devil may cry like that that's nowhere near to the level of combos and and customization you'd be hoping for especially when you're getting there's not that many stances okay let's be real there's not that many you want to sim like s ranking drop in the top corner as you're slicing your way through droids Uh, uh, (laughs) I don't need the I don't need the the numbers and the the overall commentary at the end, but I do very much appreciate the versatility in in combat for sure. Like you should, a bar has been set, and it's very much not meeting that. Um, even in Dark Souls, there's um, you know there's there's like a swing and a delay to your combos that can be quite useful, um, but it doesn't really have that. Okay, fair enough. Look, I, yeah, I I I think the combat has enough variety in it for me but then i also enjoyed the combat in hogwarts legacy which you did <laughs> like too much oh yeah like. yeah that's because yeah hogwarts legacy is like fucking brain dead yeah maybe oh, yeah. maybe that's because i'm brain dead i'm a simple boy i just like i to know i know i'm being very elitist hashtag sorry not sorry um yeah Lockie says everyone that likes um hogwarts is a dumb dumb <laughs> It's just not challenging, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Brendan, do you have any more uh, criticisms or, or, or boons that you'd like to say about Jedi Survivor? It's a ton of fun. I think it'll end up on a lot of people's Game of the Year lists, ultimately, or at least get a, get a, a, a strong, highly commended amongst, the, amongst sort of the, the contenders at the end of this year. I, I love what Respawn are doing with Star Wars and... I'd happily see them make Star Wars games now until the end of time, whether it be in the same formula or they try to do something different again. They're a very talented studio and and I like that they've been given the freedom to do this style. And yeah, it's it's just fun. Like the characters, like you said, were great. The world building's great. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where this journey takes me next once I finish the mainline story and then maybe go back and 
clean up the many, many, many rumors and side quests that uh, this game just throws at you no matter where you go. And try and find some fish to put in that fish tank there at the cantina because, uh, yeah, I need to, need to talk to, to bloody, what's his name? Scuba Steve, isn't it? The, the little the little tank cleaner. I need I need more oh. interactions with Scuba Steve. Is that Jake the dog? Is that Jake the dog voice? No. I think it could be. Is it? It could no. be. I think it's John John or Joe DiMaggio. No, Joe DiMaggio is the baseballer. It's John DiMaggio. Yeah, but I love me some Scuba Steve. And, and BD1 is one of the best, ca- like... Everyone gushes about Grogu and everyone has a, a obsession with Grogu. I would take BD1 100 times out of 100 if I had to choose between uh, those two as far as great new characters. Oh, a BD1's great, but I my favorite and cutest is Turgle. I just oh, yes. I loved I I friggin love Turgle. Um and he's sort of gross as well, but he's the cutest thing on the planet, but also gross at the same time. So that's why he's my favorite. Yeah, and he's getting a lot of love on the internet, and rightfully so. But yeah, BD is like, love that little B- droid. Oh, yeah, BD's great. And the, the little animation that they do where, the, where, where he does the, the shoulder bump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the stem. It's just it's just heartwarming. Look, yeah, I'm I'm a nitpicker. It's just in my nature to, to destroy the things that I love. I think it's fundamentally a great game. I don't think it's a nine- um, or a 10, I would be, because um, I think that's where it's sort of the, the overarching story is not all that exciting and sort of, I love the character moments and I love that they really they really focus on that and that's fantastic, but I just find the story very on the rails. I don't get much of a surprise at any point. I'm like, okay, this is going to happen. Okay, this is going to happen. No worries. That's fine. You know, it, it 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 you don't get anything more than what it promises you, which is fine, but when you're looking for like that, particularly for those big adventure games, you're expecting twists and turns. There's really no twists and turns, at least that I've seen so far. Who knows? Maybe that last, that final aspect of the story will be like, Whoa. well, yeah. Well, considering so, where I've gotten up to so far, I'm very it. curious to pick both your brains once you've finished the game. Oh, there's yeah, I, I yeah. want to know your, your thoughts because, in my opinion, that third act really, really picked up for me. Um, yeah, God, I'd love yeah, to do a okay. spoiler episode on on Jedi Survivor. There's, there's a lot to talk about there, but uh, I think that'll do us for Ooh, news. To- oh, actually, oh, okay, just one thing no, I do want to get no. up. Uh, just uh, just one thing I need to get off my chest. Um, and and um, understand from you, what was your favorite Cal Kestis hairstyle as your default and and outfit? I did enjoy the the mullet handlebar stash that was doing yes! the rounds. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so bogan. Um, <laughs> as soon as you have that and the Jedi and the 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 thing you get with the premium Jedi outfit, you're like, oh my god, he's a bogan Jedi, and it's the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that they've allowed us to make Cal look very, very absurd in, in a whole yeah. host of ways. And yeah, it's it's the mullet handlebar by a wide, wide margin for sure. Yeah. For me too. Um, I like the middle part as well, like their their hairstyle. If they didn't have the mullet, the middle part would be my favorite default. But fuck, that mullet's just perfect. Yeah, you you, you mentioned so the good. mullet. You you found it quite quite early on, but I only just found it like twenty something hours in. And uh, yeah, no, it's definitely for me. It's the Canon haircut for for Cal. That's for sure. I'm digging that mullet, but I've got the full beard <laughs> uh, going with it. He's a shaggy, shaggy bogan Jedi, and I fucking love it. But yeah, yeah. We need an Aussie Jedi. This is just proof that like there is a mine 
that has not been um, tapped into yet from mm. Disney. I've definitely heard Aussie accents in Star Wars before. Like they, they like a, the odd alien here or there will have like an Aussie accent. Yeah, but yeah, I've, uh, yeah, no, but- no, no, like center characters. That's for sure. Yeah, we need an Aussie Jedi. Are the British or American for some reason, even though they're in space yeah. thousands of years or, or ago? Or the Kiwis. We got a lot of, like, with, with the Fets and stuff. We get Temuera Morrison and his uh, his Maori bloodlines there. That's but, right. yeah, nothing nothing straight pure Aussie. That's right. Uh, I, I th- we need Bogan Aussie, like, really nasty. <laughs> like, yeah. Turgle, but with a mullet. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. He'd be an anti-hero for sure. <laughs> Alt-universe Turgle. Oh, dear. Well, look, that'll do us for news to reviews for another week. Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. That was a lot of fun. Absolute banger of of an episode, if I don't mind saying so myself. Yeah, thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure joining you guys here in the News to Review studio. So thank you for uh, having me again. It's always fun. Now, please remind everyone where they can find all the wonderful content that the 8-Bit Nation puts out into the world. For sure. So, uh, videogamesandculture.com is the best singular hub for all of our stuff, all the podcasts and everything is all housed there. You can play it straight through the web browser there and it will uh, run very well, but otherwise I'll see the direct links to Spotify, Apple Podcasts and that kind of thing there. You can find us all as a whole at We Are 8 Bit on the socials or you can follow me at Brendan 8 Bit. You'll be able to find all those lovely links in the description of the podcast down below as well as all of news to reviews links but the best way you can help news to reviews out and any podcast that you like is by leaving them a rating or review wherever you happen to be listening to them it takes barely any time and costs you nothing but it really makes that content creators day locky any final words of wisdom for us Capital words of wisdom like that. That turgle with a mullet idea is just an absolute. <laughs> that will make so much money. There'd be some fan art out there already, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sitting on a gold mine right here. Give me some turgle porn. <laughs> turgle I'm sure porn. you you type in rule 34 turgle, you'll you'll be greeted to something, Brendan. I guarantee you. Uh, they need time to create, so maybe there might be some deviant <laughs> stuff out this already, but. How do you draw a turgle dick? Like, do they just draw a human dick on a turgle? No, it has to be a frog. (laughs) Whatever the frog anatomy (laughs) is. I don't know what a frog has for (laughs) genitals, but that. Oh, dearie me. Well, everyone out there, please make sure you Google frog genitals. No, I don't do that. Take care of yourselves and take care of one another. And you, you hit the nail on Thank the you. on the head there too at the start, Brendan. When they're they're saying they're all wondering why why he looks this way. Fucking Christ! Maybe like yeah, years and years of inbreeding as well as 
God knows what what that royal family ingests on that. Probably just a bunch of crickets because they're all lizards, right? I think li- lizards eat crickets. I, I assume so. I assume <laughs> that, and it's like yeah. blood from from pure babies and stuff like that. It's it's a whole thing. Like it's it's not a good time. I want nothing to do with the royal the, the royal family. Please go away. <laughs> Take your e cigs with you. Isn't that where um, DC Comics came up with the whole Rachel Gould birthing pulse thing for immortality? They took they looked at the royal family practices and said, "Oh, let's do a comic book about that." Mm. Shout out to DC. Is it DC? Did I get that right, or is it fucking Marvels? I don't know. DC. <laughs> Yay! All right. Yay! I did it. You got it. The nerds will sleep soundly, and and this was just our very long-winded way of saying that. From news to reviews to the great King Charles the Third, we congratulate you on your coronation. <laughs> so, so excited to see what you do with the crown and all that power. Well, as Australians, we have to acknowledge that he's our king, isn't he? I didn't the sooner we it. become a republic, the better. Please, <laughs> come on, take your pinky ring and be gone. If we, um, if we change, if we become a republic, I would be moving for us to change our country's name to Naboo. <laughs> as long as uh, Natalie Portman can come rule over us, I am completely down for that. We can give her like a minister's cabinet position. She can, she'll get something. Uh, Should be our international trade or something. 